0: This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for December 24th, Christmas Eve. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Joseph could only mutter to himself under his breath on the road. If it weren't bad enough that he has to take his fiancée, who's nine and a half months pregnant, on a four-day journey down from all the way the northern end of the country to the southern end of the country because some politician had decided that it'd be a really good time to do a census, and it has to be in your hometown. He was going there and thought, well, at least we'll get there early enough to find a place to stay. Then Mary's water broke, and things slowed down. And what was he going to do? I mean, you can't very well complain to Mary, because she wasn't real happy about the thing either. But he just kept thinking, what am I going to do if this baby comes while she's on that donkey? How am I going to handle this? And so she had to stop every once in a while. And as they continued on thing all he could think to do was pray. Lord, please keep that baby in there for a while. I mean, he'd never even known a woman. How is he supposed to deliver a baby? You know, at least if they got to Bethlehem, they'd have midwives there, and they could get things taken care of, and it just seemed to take longer and longer and longer and longer. And he kept thinking, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then finally, very late, they got into Bethlehem, and he was so grateful to the Lord because the baby hadn't been born yet. And as they went from place to place, trying to find a place to say, no, we're all booked up I mean, there's nothing here, we don't have anything. And so now, after all that, he doesn't have a place to even take his wife who's about to give birth at any moment. What is he going to do? I mean, he's thinking, you know, I remember that angel appeared to me who told me that this was going to be the Son of God, but quite honestly, if this is your idea of how you treat your kids, somebody should report you to child services because this is a bad idea. What am I supposed to do now? And so we just kept looking and looking, and finally there was a a hollowed out part on the cliff that was sort of like a grotto or a slight cave, and and it's where they stored the animals. And it worked fairly well, I mean, for the animals. You know, it kept them from the rain when it rained, but if you've ever been in a stall where animals are kept, they're not exactly antiseptic or anything. I mean, they're not the cleanest places in the world. There's hay all around, and there's stuff in the hay that you don't even want to know about. And yet, that's the only place. And he says, well, we've got to keep looking. And Mary says, no, we've got to stop now. And so he thinks, oh, great, great, where's the midwife? Where's the midwife? And, and Mary very nicely told him, no, you're the midwife. She goes, I don't know how to be a midwife. And she goes, just catch and so, he gets Mary down off the donkey. They, they find a place. He tries to make her as comfortable as possible in a stall. The, the cattle and the donkeys are all going, what's this all about? Wondering, who are these people? And then the child is born. The only problem is, what do you do with the child that's born? You can't really put him down in the hay. I mean, that's not going to work because might get stepped on by a cow. And that's not a good idea. And so he thinks, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Mary says, get some straw, some hay, and, and you see that feeding trough over there? Put it in there. Now, feeding troughs aren't like what we tend to think of. They didn't have much wood, so they were really big blocks of stone that they carved out like a little swale. And they would put the food in there, the grain or whatever the, the animals would eat. And then after the animals had eaten, they'd pour the water in there for the animals to drink. And you can imagine what that must have been like. And so he goes over, he, Gets as much of the water out as he can that's still remaining, and he takes all this hay and puts it down in there, and says, "But did you bring the pampers?" <sighs> and she goes, "No, we need some some you know claws to put around them," and and he's thinking, "Don't midwives have these things?" But what's he gonna do? He says, "Why can't we do this the normal way? I could stay out in the waiting room. I could pass cigars out. I mean, this will be so much easier." And, and yet, none of that is working that way. And, and so she says, look over there, there's some, some rags. And there were. There were the rags that the people who own the animals used to clean up the barn or the stall with. You can imagine what those were like. And she says, just get those, they'll do. And so he takes these dirty rags that have been used on the animals and on the, on the floor of this stall, and they wrap them around Jesus as a diaper. And they take him over and they put him in what we nicely call a manger, It's really a feeding trough with hay in it. Have you ever laid on hay? It's not the most comfortable place to lay. I mean, so you can imagine how a baby who's only got something around the bottom parts is going to go, well, this is a good idea. Um, but what else can they do? There's nowhere else to go. Joseph must have been thinking back to that angel Mary must have been thinking back to Gabriel showing up and announcing the, that the Son of God's coming into the world and she's going to be the mother, and thinking, are we even going to survive this night? Well, a few miles north of there, there were some hills, and there were shepherds in the hills, and the shepherds were doing what shepherds do at night. You know, you can't really roam around anymore. So basically, they would try to herd all the sheep in together together, and keep them together, because if they wandered off at all, there were wolves out, and the wolves would attack and, and try to get one of the sheep. matter of fact, the wolves, if they were hungry enough, would try to attack the outer edge of the sheep to get one of them anyway. so somebody had to keep watch to make sure and they' probably built a fire, and, and you know here they are sitting around this campfire and you know, looking up at the sky, and it's, it's a very arid climate, a lot of desert kind of area, and um, no lights in the cities or anything, so the stars were magnificent. And probably sitting around talking like shepherds always do, you know, just talking about normal things. They didn't talk about politics because they weren't really involved in politics. They didn't go into town much because you've been around a sheep pen. So you can imagine if they lived with a sheep, it probably wasn't good. And on top of that, they didn't really make it to synagogue on Saturday because, you know, what are you supposed to do with the sheep? Well, that's going on. And so they didn't really abide all those riches. And they really were sort of considered homeless people who were outcast and just not our kind of people. And so people didn't really like them. Many of them would even steal from people when they were traveling on the road because they didn't have very much. All they could do to eke out a living was to maybe sell some young lambs in the spring when the Passover came and maybe shear the wool and try to sell it to get enough of the the basic substances to make bread and, and sort of survive through the year. It really wasn't much of a life. And as they're talking, you can almost see them, you know, laying back and looking out and, and sort of pointing out the different stars and the shapes that they form and you know, sort of daydreaming about things. And They notice there's this really, really bright star. They think, well, I've never seen that before. Where did that come from? You know what that is? No, oh, I don't know what that is either. Well, that's really strange. It looks like it's moving. And while they're trying to figure out what this is... All of a sudden, standing there in front of them, which will teach them to be looking up there instead of out around, there's somebody standing in front of them. Now, that could be pretty terrifying in the middle of the night. People don't wander around in the dark of night. And not only was this person in front of them, but it was like somebody had turned on the lights in a a completely pitch black room. You know, Scripture tells us that the glory of the Lord shone around us. Now, we know it's an angel. I doubt if they knew what in the world was going on. All they knew was that this probably wasn't good. They didn't get a lot of visitors. And so it says they were terrified. And then the angel says some really strange things. He says, don't be afraid. Well, they liked that part. That was good. For to you this day in the city of David is born a son. Now, think about that if you're the shepherd. You're going, hey, that wasn't me, man. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about, but I had nothing to do. I don't even know who it was. But I've been out here with the sheep, so it didn't have anything to do with me. I said, no, you don't understand. For you in the city of David this day is born a child. And this child is the Savior, the Messiah, the Mashiach, who will save Israel, who will save all of us. And they're thinking, what is this guy talking about? I mean, is that weird or what? To me, is born a son who's going to come and save me? And save me from what? I said, I bring you good news of great joy. They go, now we're talking. He brought the wine. They were shepherds. And he goes, no, there will be a sign for you. And the sign is, if you go into Bethlehem, you will see there a virgin who has had a child. They're going, I think he's already had too much of the wine. And he will be wrapped in swaddling cloths. And this will be a sign to you that God has sent the Savior into the world. And at that point, they're probably about ready to write the guy off. They don't want to get the bright light and the weirdness of it all, but that's just a little far-fetched. I mean, let's face it. Except that at that very moment... It wasn't just one light. It was like the heavens lit up and the entire host of heaven started singing glory to God in the highest. That would get your attention. And so after they finished singing, and we really don't know how long they sang because they don't tell us, they look at each other and go, I got to check this out because I could use someone who was going to make my life better because being a shepherd is awful. And if, if this, you know, God is sending the, the Savior into the world, maybe maybe He can help us to have better jobs and make a better living, and maybe He'll get us, you know, where we can get a bath and people will respect us again. This could be really good. Let's go see it. They, they were so excited about seeing it and hoping that it was true that they were perfectly willing to leave their sheep there alone. Now, you know, they had to really want this badly. Except there was that part about that the sign that you will get will be a baby. And they kept thinking, well, okay, but when we get there, there's probably going to be like, you know, somebody like Superman, right? I mean, somebody, somebody who really solved problems. I mean, you're going to go with a baby if you want to solve problems, do you? And so so they go looking, and, and as they're coming along, they see this grotto, this place, this stall, and they, they see there's a light there, and, and they see yeah, there's a man and a woman, and it's like there's something in that you know, feeding trough, and, and they realize that maybe this is it, maybe this is the sign. And as they start getting closer, you have to imagine what Joseph and Mary were thinking about. Shepherds weren't considered polite company. You know, and if they were coming in, chances are it wasn't very good, and you might even get robbed, and I mean, Joseph had already had a bad enough day. Mary didn't know how in the world she would do anything. What if they hurt the baby? You know, everything seemed hopeless, the only good thing about it is they didn't have any money to give anybody, so, you know, maybe that would help. And so as they come to them, they say, this is going to sound a little odd. But we, we were over there in the fields, and um, th- this angel appeared. And Joseph was going, yeah, this sounds a little odd so far. Um, and, and, and the angel said to us that today in the city of David is born a Savior, a child. And, and we want to know, is this the child? Well, Mary and Joseph had been told that they were going to bear the Son of God. And they're going, yeah. Still wondering, why in the world do the shepherds know about this? And what's that got to do with anything? And what are they going to do about it? I mean, why would anybody tell a shepherd? Wouldn't you go tell King Herod or somebody important, but a shepherd? You know, if the wise men had come first, it would have been much better. That they could have understood. But shepherds? And so they were there, and they, they came over, and they worshipped him. Thinking, wow. God really has come. And as they left, it said that they went shouting out to everybody that they encountered the glory of what God had done and telling them everything that had happened. Now you got a picture. This is the middle of the night. People gone to bed. Who do you think they encountered? They encountered all the people who came and opened their shutters when they were going, Hallelujah, God has come into the world. And everybody's, you know, what in the world is all that ruckus? Henry, check that out. <laughs> and so they'd open the windows and, What are you talking about? And they'd say, God has sent the Messiah right here in Bethlehem. And most of them thought, oh, a bunch of drunken shepherds. And That was pretty much it. But if you think about how incredibly preposterous the story is, if God wanted to send a redeemer into the world, a savior into the world, why would he send a baby? That doesn't make any sense. You know, what can a baby do? How's the baby going to run the Romans out of the country? How's the baby going to make sure that the economy gets better? How's the baby going to make sure there's plenty of work for everybody? The baby can't do anything. And his parents looked pretty bewildered already. If they had any sense at all, they wouldn't have stopped in that stall. So how is that supposed to work? What had happened, though, was that God had changed all the rules. God didn't send Superman to solve our problems. And even today, 2,000 years later, we still tend to think that that's how God solves our problems. If we're sick, God, hit me with your x-ray vision or something and fix it. You know, if, if we're in trouble, God, send somebody to rescue me. You know, if bad things happen, God, I want you to do this. And we've never understood that God doesn't come as a mighty strong man. He comes as a child. Because the truth is, is that God is strongest when he is weakest. And we are strongest when we are weakest. It goes against every grain in us, doesn't it? That you're supposed to be weak in order to be strong, but it's true. It's true. That our salvation comes not in our effort or in our ability to be successful or to accomplish things. Our our salvation comes our ability to die to ourselves and surrender our will and allow God to come in and live through us. You know, you think about it, if he had sent Superman in, that whole crucifixion thing wouldn't have worked very well, would it? I mean, you take those nails and try to get them in Superman's hands, and they just bend. Anybody remembers the 50s version of Superman with George Reeves? Yeah, you know, bullets will bounce off of them all the time, so what's, what's, you can't crucify Superman. Somebody pointed out at the last service that you could if you had kryptonite nails. But I don't know where they would have gotten us. God didn't send us that kind of Savior. Instead, God sent us a Savior that people like us all thought was a joke. All thought that he'll never make it. That's what Herod thought when he tried to find them to kill him. It's what Herod Antipas, his son, thought. It's what Pontius Pilate thought. It's what Caiaphas and Annas thought. Was that he's nothing. He's a country bumpkin. He's a nobody. He's just stirring up a lot of trouble. We need to get rid of him. And when they finally did get rid of him, when they finally nailed him to that cross, they started making fun of him because they knew this was no savior. This guy is no Superman. What they didn't know was that when God becomes at his weakest is when the real might of God comes out. It is only when all else is lost that resurrection can become a real part of our life. It is only when we quit trying that God can actually change things for us. Not because of what we did or deserve Because that's who he is. Because you see, the real miracle of Christmas isn't so much that God sent a baby to be a sign of the salvation of the world. It's not even so much that that baby would forgive us of our sins. It's that there was this huge chasm that had developed between us and God. Sin had put us so far from God that we couldn't even imagine what he wanted, much less actually do the few things that he wrote down that we know he wanted. And what God did was to send his son to form a bridge between us and him. The gift that we have wasn't a one-time gift. It was an eternal gift. It was a gift to end that alienation, to end that, that space between us and God. That's why Isaiah said that he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Because, you see, the wonderful counselor isn't to tell us which lottery tickets to buy or which things to invest in in our 401K. The wonderful counselor is to help us through the hard places of life, if we're willing. The might of God doesn't come in His solving our diseases and our problems. It comes in Him bringing the world to its wholeness, to its perfection, that He wanted it to be in spite of our, you know, Either mal, you know, or either our efforts to thwart his plan or through our efforts to just not know what we're doing. God will be successful anyway. And he will be the Prince of Peace. Not because our life will always be hunky-dory. But because he will give us peace that passes understanding. He'll give us the kind of peace That even in the midst of the worst storms that anything or anybody can throw at us, will not rock us. It will not shake us. It will not terrify us because we have been united with God. You see, what God did in this small baby was He took everything that it meant to be the divine sovereign of the universe and became human and even a baby that's the gift of Christmas and if we are willing to really accept that gift